Joshua chapter 7, beginning in verse 16. Here's what the Word of God has to say. So Joshua rose early in the morning and brought Israel near tribe by tribe. And the tribe of Judah was taken. And he brought near the clans of Judah, and the clan of the Zarahites was taken. And he brought the clan of the Zarahites man by man, and Zabdi was taken. And he brought near his household man by man, and Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah, was taken. Then Joshua said to Achan, my son, give glory to the Lord God of Israel and give praise to him and tell me now what you have done. Do not hide it from me. And Achan answered Joshua, truly I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel and this is what I did. When I saw among the spoil a beautiful cloak from Shinar and 200 shekels of silver and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels, then I coveted them and took them, and see, they are hidden in the earth inside my tent with the silver underneath. So Joshua sent messengers, and they ran to the tent, and behold, it was hidden in his tent with the silver underneath, and they took them out of the tent and brought them to Joshua and, and to all the people of Israel, and they laid them down before the Lord. And Joshua said, and, and Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan and the, the son of Zerah and the silver and the cloak and the bar of gold and his sons and his daughters and his oxen and donkeys and sheep and his tent and all that he had. And they brought them uh, up to the valley of Anchor. And, and Joshua said, why did you bring trouble on us? The Lord brings trouble on you today. And all Israel stoned him with stones. They burned them with fire and stoned them with stones. And they raised over him a great heap of stones that remains to this day. Then the Lord turned from his burning anger. Therefore, to this day, the name of that place is called the Valley of Angkor. So this week, our nation will celebrate the Thanksgiving holiday. And as a result, I generally take this Sunday prior to Thanksgiving and preach on the, on the subject of Thanksgiving. Now, what's going to happen this Thursday is a secular holiday. But the, but, the, but, the, but the attitude, the response of Thanksgiving is anything but secular. In fact, you can find the command to give thanks and to have a heart of Thanksgiving all the way through from Genesis to Revelation in all of Scripture. It is a characteristic, Thanksgiving is a characteristic of one who is filled with the Spirit of God and, and, and who has known the saving grace of the Lord. You're going to hear me say often today that if you have been saved and if you are filled with the saving grace and the, and the Spirit of the living God, then characteristic of you, naturally flowing out of you, is an attitude and a heart of thanksgiving. So it's an easy sermon to preach. In fact, you can go either to the Old or the New Testament. The most natural passages to preach for such a Sunday or such a sermon like this are, are those that make a clear command to give thanks. And you can find them throughout Scripture. First Chronicles chapter 16 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. Psalm 30 tells us that sing praises to the Lord, oh, you his saints, and give thanks to his 
to his holy name. Isaiah the prophet commanded in chapter 12, and you will say in that day, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples, proclaim that his name is exalted. In the New Testament to the Ephesians, Paul wrote, wrote give thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Later to the Colossians, he said, and whatever you do uh, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. In First Thessalonians, he said, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. However, today I want to preach from a passage that may not at first be recognized as one that teaches the principles of thanksgiving. So here's the background to this passage. All the way back in, in the early parts of Genesis, the book of Genesis, God promised to Abraham that he was going to give him a land for, to possess and for all of his descendants to possess. Through Moses, God gave the people his law and promised that as long as they obeyed his law, he would keep them in the land, protect them in the land, establish them in the land. And if they turned away and sinned, that God would allow them to be removed from the land. God used Moses to deliver his people from enslavement in Egypt and lead them back to the land that he had promised them originally through Abraham. You may know the story of Moses leading out of Egypt through the wilderness and God used Moses to lead them all the way up to the river that separated them from the land that God had given them. Joshua, who this book is named after and chronicles his leadership, was the one who succeeded Moses in leading Israel and he led them into the promised land. And part of their commandment as they entered the promised land is that God told them they were to, to push out, to eradicate, to remove all the inhabitants of the land. They started with a city called Jericho. Maybe as a kid you remember singing the song, Joshua fought the battle of Jericho. And if you remember that song, you remember the big thing that happened was that the walls came tumbling down. I hope you remember from that song that those walls tumbled down not because of the work of Joshua or the people. Those walls fell down because of the sovereign will and the declaration of God. They marched around the city uh, seven days, and at the end when they shouted, God calls the, the walls of the city to fall, and God gave the victory. Jericho is not about the people of Israel. Jericho is about the power of God. It was a great moment. It is a great moment of victory. It was a testimony that God was going to provide miraculously for his people to obey him and to establish themselves in the land and to possess the land. But as God gave those instructions of the cities to conquer, he'd also given some, some instructions of how to deal with all the loot and the wealth that they would encounter. And for the most part, now this is an overgeneralization, but for the most part, they were to destroy everything except for the gold and the silver. silver. Those were, were not to be taken by the people. Those were to be made holy and given to the Lord. And there's a principle behind that, and that is that God owns the land and God owns everything in it. 
And so God wasn't keeping these things from his people. He was giving the land to his people, but he was declaring what was theirs to enjoy and what was not theirs to enjoy. They conquered Jericho. It was a great victory. Then they went to Ai. And among other things that caused disaster there in Ai, what, when, when it went terribly wrong, Joshua began to uh, uh, get on his face before God and just plead, God, what in the world is going on? Why have you not given us victory over Ai? And God said, there's sin in the camp. There's been some who have taken from the, the items that were under the ban. So God gave the instruction to, to, to find out who it was, and God gave the instructions of how to deal with the person. And so when, when we begin to read this passage, we, we, we start with the whole nation, and then by tribe, and then by, how, by family group, and then all the way down to the immediate family, as God was indicating this tribe, this family, this person. And we come to a man by the name of Achan. Achan had grown up in the wilderness. He had witnessed his entire life the daily miraculous provisions of God. In the wilderness, God, the, the people did not work for their food. Every morning they woke up and God had manna waiting for them. All they had to, all they had to do was go out and collect it. That was Achan's whole life up until this point. Every single day, he had witnessed the miraculous provision of God. He had marched around the city walls of Jericho. Uh, archaeologists have found those walls. They were massive, and they must have been something to behold as this, this group of people who had left slavery in Egypt and had been living in the wilderness these many years and now are marching around this fortified, impressive city, looking up at those walls. Achan would have been in that crowd. He would have been there that day when they shouted. He would have witnessed God shaking those walls down. He had seen God do amazing things. However, the lure and temptation of worldly wealth got the better of him. They're conquering Jericho, and he sees a cloak. He sees gold and silver, the wealth of Jericho for the taking. He knows it's the Lord's. He knows it's not his to have, and yet he wanted it for his own. Friends, gratitude and thanksgiving are the response Responses to God's provision and grace. But the opposite of that, the contrary to that, is that greed is the sin of being ungrateful and taking what has not been provided. I want to make the case today that those things that God has not provided for you, there's grace even in that. So from this passage, I want you to see just two simple things from the passage today. Number one, the admonition, the, the encouragement, be thankful for how God has provided for you. In abundance or in scarcity, be thankful for what God has provided for you. Thanksgiving uh, keeps you from the sin that greed produces. And then secondly, honor God with what he has provided. 
Whatever you have today, whether it be your resources, your intellect, your ability, whatever you have today, God gave you that, not for your personal pleasure only. That's a very weak, short-sighted, temporary view of things. God gave you what you have for his glory and his purpose and his will. Honor God with his provisions that he has provided you with. Now, let's begin with being thankful for, for God's provision. I want to make the case this morning that God provides for his will and your needs. In fact, God provides for his will and our obedience. The people of Israel, while in the wilderness, had been completely dependent on the provision of God. I've already mentioned to you that God provided for their food every day, manna. And, and without getting into all the details, the amazing thing about manna was it only provided enough for a single day. So every morning you got up and the Bible tells us it didn't really matter how much you collected, it was enough. And if you tried to keep it overnight, that it would spoil. The only difference of that was that the, 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 the day before the Sabbath, they were able to collect enough and it would last through the Sabbath. And of course, the point of that was that God was providing for their daily needs of food every single day. One of the more amazing things to me was that in Deuteronomy chapter 29, it tells us that even the people's clothes and sandals did not wear out. So for the entirety of the time they were in the wilderness, their clothes, their sandals, the, the things that they needed did not wear out. It was a testimony. God was providing for their most basic needs. Now as they enter into the promised land, God is providing for their obedience to drive out the inhabitants of the land. God had commanded that they do that, and God was providing for them to do that. The testimony of Jericho's defeat is that the Lord will provide for the people even in battle to accomplish his will and to provide for his people. Now, friends, we could stop right there, and we could preach all day long on that. The testimony of Scripture is twofold here. God provides for your needs, and God provides for your obedience. I, I could tell many, many stories where I've had conversations with people where there was an issue of sin in their life. And so the conversation that I had with them was recognizing the issue of sin and, and calling them to obedience, to which their response to me is, I can't afford to do it. Friends, when you're telling me you can't afford to be obedient, you are denying the sovereign power of God and the testimony of Scripture. Because the testimony of Scripture is God provides for what he calls you to. It may be hard, it may be difficult, but God provides for what he calls you to. The testimony of Israel entering into the promised land, that God had told them to, to possess the land, to push out the inhabitants of the land, and that he was going to provide for them to do just that. Gratitude and thanksgiving begin with God's provision. Acknowledging that he is the one who provides for your needs. Acknowledging that he is the one who makes a way for your obedience. And acknowledging that you are totally dependent upon the Lord. Now that's the one that we don't really care for. But gratitude and thanksgiving are not just accounting for all the things that you like that you have. Gratitude and thanksgiving as a spiritual discipline are acknowledging that what you have is a gift of God and that what you have is provided by God and that you are totally dependent upon God for all things. Friends, focus your heart's attention on the provision of God. 
testimony of Achan is that he gave more attention to what he wanted than what God was providing. Even in the midst of all of the testimony that Achan could give of the miraculous provisions of God, his heart's focus was not on what God was providing. It was on what he wanted. When you focus your heart's attention on the provision of God, your attitude and worship will be filled with thanksgiving. I want to push you on that just a minute. We often make fun this time of year of the traditions that we, many of us have in our family. And, and, and many of your families, like mine, at some point during the Thanksgiving holiday, will have somebody, everybody go around the table and say one thing you're thankful for. Now, if you do that, that's fine. Um, but, but generally the focus of that is on things that you have or you enjoy. But brothers and sisters, listen to me. Thanksgiving, the heart, the, the, the meat of Thanksgiving is really not focused on what you have. It is focused on the one who provides. Put your attention, draw your attention, focus your attention on the provision of the Lord. God provides for his will and your needs. Gratitude is the response to God's grace. When God saves you in grace, it produces naturally a heart of thanksgiving. When God delivers you from sin, it produces naturally a heart of thanksgiving. When receiving something you paid for, it is a polite thing to say thank you, but it's not required. But when receiving something that you do not deserve, that you could not earn, that you would never be able to afford or, or pay for, to not be grateful for that is immoral. Joshua and the people are recipients of God's grace. They've been delivered from slavery in Egypt. There were moments while they were in the wilderness that they, say, that they so wickedly sinned against God that God even said, listen, I'll just let you have it, but I'm not going with you. And yet, when they pleaded before the Lord for his mercy, he remained with them and did not abandon them in the wilderness. God had returned them to the land that he promised Abraham. God always keeps his promises generation after generation after generation. You may forget the promises of God, but he doesn't. And here he is fulfilling a promise that he made so many generations before to Abraham. He had miraculously provided for them to conquer the land. All the people were required to do, listen to me, all the people were required to do is obey the commandments of God. And he would give them the victory in the land and he would keep them in the land forever. Gratitude is recognition of your need in God's grace. Thanksgiving is a recognition of your need in God's grace. Gratitude is an acknowledgement of your dependence on God's provision. All those who experience God's grace will give thanks. Now, I could push this on the negative side of that and say, if your heart's not filled with thanksgiving today, it may be that you've not known the grace of God. Because I can tell you this, when you've known the grace of God, and particularly when you've walked in the grace of God for more than five minutes, the, the longer you walk under the grace of God, the more you understand how depraved you were and how amazing God's grace was. And that produces more and more and more thanksgiving and gratitude. Gratitude is a response to grace. 
And greed, the opposite of that, is a rejection of grace. So I've been thinking about Achan all week. And how could a man that had seen so much amazing things from God be so easily tempted unto destruction? Do you realize that if Achan were here today, we would be wrapped by his testimonies of what God had done. We'd want to hear about how he collected manna every morning. We'd want to hear about him walking around uh, the, uh, the city of Jericho. We'd want to hear all those things of how God, how God had led them in the wilderness by smoke and fire, all those amazing things. And as I've been thinking about Achan, I, I thought, you know, in the wilderness, it is easy for people to stay humble before the Lord because they possessed nothing and were daily dependent on the Lord for everything. But now, as they are entering in the promised land, they are still dependent on the Lord for everything, but, but now God is allowing them to possess the land and enjoy the blessings of God, unlike their time in the wilderness. In verse 20 and 21, you'll look back in your passage. When Achan confessed his sin, notice what he, uh, after he was exposed as guilty, notice how he began. He says in verse 20, he says, truly, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel. He sinned against God, not Joshua, not the people. He sinned against God because it was God's law that he was broken. He stole not from, uh, from Jericho and he stole not from Joshua and the people. He stole from God. He coveted wealth. He stole what was not his. He tried to hide it in his, he tried to hide his sin from others. Now listen carefully here. The, the items under the band were not withheld from the people for spite. The items under the band were, the te were testimony to the people that they were possessing what was a gift of God for God's glory. The land was God's. The wealth of the land was the Lord's. And Joshua and the people were the recipients of God's own possessions. This is why Achan's sin against the Lord this is why his sin was against the Lord. His disobedience was rejection of God's authority. I know God said this was not mine, but I'm going to take it anyway. His coveting was a refusal of God's provision. I know God has said he's going to provide for me, but I want to take these things for my own possession so that I can provide for myself. And his hiding of the items was an offense to God's sovereignty. It's, when you look backwards on sin, it always looks stupid and foolish, but when you're in the midst of sin, it seems like it makes sense. And so looking back, doesn't it seem foolish that the God who knows all things is going to be fooled by you hiding your sin under your tent? That's exactly what he tried to do. I'll just sneak it around. Nobody will know it. Even God won't see it. You cannot sin against God and enjoy the blessings of God's grace. To sin against God is to reject and forfeit God's grace. Now, I want to tie this to us today. Today, many Christians are enjoying the abundance of wealth. You and I are enjoying the abundance of wealth. We're enjoying the uncountable conveniences and comforts of modernity. And many, while we're enjoying the wealth, conveniences and comforts are also denying God's authority. We're denying his provision and we're refusing to submit to his authority. 
It's easy to obey in the wilderness when every morning you have to get up and gather manna for your, your daily provision. But as the people move into the land and enjoy the provisions of God, one of the accompanying realities is that they were more tempted by the temporary worthless trinkets of the world. Achan said, as he was looking over that gold bar and that silver and the cloak, he coveted. He wanted something that was not his for his own possession. He wanted to be out from under the provision of God and have something for himself. Like Achan, many are attempting to enjoy God's provision without gratefulness and thanksgiving. Listen to me carefully, friends. This cannot be. You cannot enjoy God's grace and deny God's sovereignty. You cannot be blessed by God's provision and deny that he provided it. You cannot live righteously before the Lord while hiding your sin under your tent. You cannot enjoy God's provision without gratefulness and thanksgiving. Thankfulness and thanksgiving doesn't make you right before God, but it is the character that flows out of a heart that is right before God. Be thankful for God's provisions. Number two, honor God with his provisions. So I believe gratitude produces a heart of obedience. It, when you're reading this passage, the severity of the punishment on Achan is rather unsettling. Now, where we picked up in the passage, we, we, we started reading after God had spoken to Joshua. But what they did to Achan and his family wasn't their idea. This was God's instructions of how to deal with the man who was sinning in the camp. It's, uh, it's pretty unsettling when you, when you consider it. So the Bible tells us that uh, the stolen items were gathered from the tent. So as soon as Achan said what he did, Joshua sent men to the tent and they, they gathered up the items, the cloak and the gold and the silver. And all of those items and, um, and Achan's whole family and all of his possessions. So his goats and his livestock, even the Bible says even his tent. So everything that was under the ledger of Achan, all of that was gathered up. And it was taken out and they stoned him, they burned him, and then they covered over all of that with a mound of rocks. And can we just say for an honesty word, that seems rather severe. In our modern context, Somebody sins like this, we, we might slap them on the wrist. We might say you ought to do better or something like that. But Achan, his family, his daughters and his, his sons and his daughters, his wife, his, his, all of his possessions, everything, even his goats, his dogs and his cats, if he had them, everything that he possessed was stoned and burned and then heaped over with stones. The severity was intended as a testimony to the rest of the people. And here's what it was intended. God wanted them to know that sin against God is serious. And secondly, listen to me carefully, greed is dangerous. The, the question should be asked, 
What can keep you from the destruction of greed? Now we live, there's no denying this, we live in a very affluent context. You've heard me say before, if you own more than one pair of shoes, you're wealthy. If you drove here in a, in a car, you're wealthy. And some of you, some of you families that have multiple drivers brought more than just one car here today. That's a, that's a testimony of affluence. You expected to be in an air-conditioned building today. In first world world, sometimes we turn on the heat to heat the building up just a little bit before you get here. And when everybody gets in here, we turn on the air conditioning to cool it back down. I mean, that, that's a testimony of affluence and wealth. Many of you after this service are going to get in your air-conditioned cars that, that, that are smooth, multiple cars for some of you, and you're going to, to go to a restaurant and, and pay a tremendous fee for somebody else to fix you a meal. We are a very affluent culture. So the question we have to ask is, how can we keep from the destruction of greed? Gratitude and thanksgiving draw your attention away from what you desire and focus you on what God has provided. I referenced this in the introduction. I want to read it again to you right now. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 18 says, Give thanks in all circumstances. That's pretty broad. So when things are going well, when things are not going well, when, when, when you're getting a raise and when, you're, when your pay's getting cut, when you, when you get a new job, when you lose your job, when things are going, uh, when, you, when, you get, when, when you're feeling healthy and when you're sick, it, he, he says, give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. The will of God for you is to give thanks. Give thanks. It doesn't matter your circumstances. It doesn't matter the context in which you are. The will of God for you today is for you to give thanks. And I think the reason for that is that the developing a heart of gratitude encourages obedience. It produces the heart of gratitude, the, the spirit of thanksgiving within you produces a heart and actions of obedience. On the contrary of that, when you're given over to greed, one of the things that greed does in your life is it justifies rebellious sin. So Achan identified his sin as coveting. He said, I coveted the, the wealth, the gold and the silver and the cloak. I, I wanted it for myself. I desired it for myself. He wanted to possess what was not his to have. The fact that he hid it under his tent makes it pretty clear that he knew it was sin. But I want to make a case here for you. The action of sin begins in the heart long before the action takes place. Achan says, I coveted. And I, and I think if he were here today, he would probably say, man, I was, we're, we're, we're taking over Jericho. Things were going well. I was, maybe he was by himself. I'm guessing he was by himself because he was able to keep it hidden. And he came across somebody's loot, gold and silver and and a, and a cloak. And he said, man, I just, 
wanted, I think he would probably say in that moment is when the sin started and certainly the action of it started then. But sin begins in the heart long before the action. In other words, he was giving himself not toward gratitude and thanksgiving, but he was giving himself to greed long before this moment came. Where gratitude focuses your heart on the provision of God, greed draws your attention to personal desire. Greed says to you, you're not getting what you deserve. Greed tells you that somebody else is getting something that really ought to be yours. Greed tells you that somehow you're being shortchanged, mistreated, that your difficulties, that your hardships are unfair. Somehow God's forgotten about you or not provided as he should have for you. Greed leads to desiring what belongs to someone else. Dreaming of being independent from the provisions of God. Justifying sin by declaring what you, by, by, by declaring what you got through it as deserving and ultimately attempting to hide your sin from the saints and from the Lord. Here's where I think the rub for us is. Gratitude and thanksgiving are an acknowledgement of God provides and you're dependent upon him. But in our sinful flesh, we don't wanna be dependent upon the Lord. I don't wanna have to pray through God providing for me. I want to be able to just write a check. I don't want to have to wait on God to provide. I want to have enough in my account so that I can always be comfortable. I want to have it as my own possession, not as God's possession. A gold bar and silver and a cloak. Maybe Aiken thought I could be independently wealthy. I don't have to be dependent upon the Lord. I don't know this. Maybe he justified it. Maybe I can help people with it. But it was not the coveting of the sin, a sin of coveting was not produced out of a heart of thanksgiving. It was produced out of a heart of greed. Gratitude encourages obedience. But greed is a sin and it leads to more sin. So how are we to respond to that? I think we respond to that by honoring the Lord with all that he has given you. Now, friends, I want to tell you, I, I don't care who you are today. There are, there are some people in here that are richer than you. There are some people in here that are poorer than you. There are some people in here that are smarter than you. There are some people in here that are not as smart as you. There are some people in here that are more gifted than you. There are some people who are less gifted than you. I don't really care where on any of those spectrums you fall. I know this. God has provi provided for you. And the question for you is not what do you have compared to others. The question is how are you using what God has given you to honor him and obey him? Achan identified his sin as coveting. But I think you and I, brothers and sisters, ought to recognize that God provides enough for us to be obedient to him. How then do you guard against greed? And how do you um, develop a heart of gratitude? Well, first, I think you must receive what the Lord provides with thanksgiving. That's the beginning. That's the very foundational reality. Receive what the Lord provides with thanksgiving in prosperity and in scarcity. Be thankful for what God provides and for what God withholds. 
conquering Jericho. Be thankful God has provided victory that day. Be thankful, by the way, that God was providing for his temple worship through the gold and silver of that city. And also be thankful for the things that God has said, these are not yours to have. In prosperity and in scarcity, be thankful for what God provides and withholds. Receive what God provides with thanksgiving. Secondly, listen to me carefully here. Do not pursue what God has restricted. There are many things that the world has and enjoys that look good, but that are not good for your soul. Hear me, hear me, hear me. There are many things in this world that look good. The world is celebrating as good. When you see people enjoying them on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, you think they must be good. But they're not good for your souls. Achan thought the wealth of Jericho would give him pleasure and freedom, but it ultimately enslaved him and cost him everything. I'm going to step into some danger waters here and stir the pot. But just from my, my position as a pastor looking out over the church, the thing that one of the things that wealth has provided is the, the income to do things that compete with the Lord's Day's worship. And you will push back on this and say, but pastor, what I'm doing is good. And I'm gonna push back on you and say, but it's not good for your soul. Whatever you're pursuing, if, it is, if it's competing with and if it is taking the place of worship on the Lord's Day, brothers and sisters, is that not coveting? Are you not giving thanks for the Lord for his provision by being in his house on, for worship? Do not pursue what the Lord has restricted from you. And then use what God gives for his glory. Whatever you have is ultimately given for the Lord's glory. Your abilities, God gave you for his glory. Listen, I'm not even defining what that is, but what you can do, your skill set, what you're good at, God gave that to you as his provision for his glory. Use your abilities for his glory. Use your possessions for his glory. I can't tell you how many times people have said to me or I've heard people say, I want to get wealthy so that I can bless other people, but then they never do. <laughs> you know why? Because they didn't bless people with their wealth when they were poor and they're not going to bless people with their wealth when they're rich. Whatever God's given you, whether it's a lot in the world's eyes or not, Use your possessions for God's glory. And use your resources for God's glory. Whatever God has entrusted you with, understand it is his possession that he has allowed you to hold for the, for the, for the purpose of his glory. We often use the word stewardship, not ownership. You own nothing, but you have been given stewardship of many wonderful things for the glory of God. I've shared this story with you before, but I thought it was appropriate today. Do you know the name of Robert Courtney? It's probably good that you don't. Robert Courtney grew up in the home of a traveling preacher. He, as an adult, was a deacon and a leader in his church, and he was well-known 
in the Kansas City area as a very respectable, very successful pharmacist. His business was doing tremendously well. And as a result of his business doing well, not only had he enjoyed personal growing of wealth, but he was blessing his church and they were in a building program and he had, he had uh, pledged a signif- one of the largest donations to that and, and was well known and for the most part well rest- uh, respected in his community. The reason why he was able to, to grow such a successful business is that his pharmacy in that area was the primary pharmacy that was used to mix and prepare drugs for cancer patients. But one of the things that, be, that, that began to be noticed by those that were in that world is that um, the amount of cancer um, drugs that he was selling were not necessarily equal to the same amount of cancer drugs that he was purchasing. Without getting into the details, it was later discovered that Courtney was diluting cancer drugs. Sometimes all the way to the extent of what he was giving people and charging people for their chemo and other drugs like that was little more than saline solution. You can imagine when that came out, it was horrible. People who should have had more years to live died. Because what they thought was life-saving drugs was benign, impotent drugs. Worthless, saline solution. The question that had to be posed when he was discovered and brought to trial and convicted is why? Why would you do that? When you get into the weeds of what he did, he was even doing that to friends and family members. Why? Knowing that that's causing them great harm and destruction in your community, why would you do that? And it was revealed that it didn't begin with the, trans, uh, the cancer drugs. It actually had begun years and years and years earlier when he was filling prescriptions for pills. And he would just short the prescription two or three pills. What would it make him? A couple of cents? But little by little, he realized that he could skim a little off the top, grow a little bit here, And greed consumed him. And his greed and his sin caused tremendous heartache, destruction, death in his community. He was a man who had been given much. Grew up in a very poor family, but God had given him a mind and the ability to to go through school, become a pharmacist and do his work. He provided, God had provided him a career that provided an abundance of wealth, respect in the community. But because his business was the, the primary supplier of the cancer drugs, he was, I mean, it's one of those few businesses that's guaranteed success and going to do well. However, rather than giving thanks to God, rather than understanding that his intellect, his ability, his everything was a provision of God and using it for the glory of God, he was given to greed. And his greed brought great destruction to him, his family, and his community. Here's where we are. You are a people that have been given much. You've been given much in the world of just mental ability. 
You've been given much in, in, in skill sets and, and, and abilities in that context. You've been given much in, in resources. You have a lot of things. And you've been given a lot when it comes to wealth. And the question this morning for you and I is, with for all that you have, is your heart saying this morning, I want more, I deserve more? Or is your heart saying, God has provided abundantly for me. Let us give thanks. Greed and gratitude are in contrast to one another. Neither your heart is moving toward gratitude, understanding that God owns all things, provides all things, and that you are to use all things for his glory, or you're giving yourself to greed that looks at yourself and your needs and your wants and will lead to sins like the sin of Achan, coveting what is not yours and bringing great destruction upon you, your family, and all those who know you. We are a people who have been given much the abundance of God's blessings are indeed amazing. May this produce in you and, and in your heart uh, a heart of gratitude and thanksgiving that you might use what God has provided for his glory, his will, and for his kingdom alone. Thank you for listening to All for the Kingdom, a weekly podcast of my preaching ministry. For more sermons, blog posts, and other related content, go to bensmithsenior.org. That's bensmithsr.org. I am the pastor of Central Baptist Church in Waycross, Georgia. I would love for you to join us this coming Sunday at 201 Ava Street here in Waycross. Our morning services begin at 1030 a.m. For more information about Central Baptist, go to cbcwaycross.org. Again, thank you for listening, and until the Lord returns, let us live each moment all for the King and all for the Kingdom.